Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Really, Keely, Keely, look at this. Look. I've just printed this off. Look. Look at the listings. Look what's on next weekend. Yeah, and look, hand it over. Look, there's the week after. And the week after that. And then don't worry about the last one. They're showing my films, Keely. Keely, they're showing my films. This is incredible. I was looking on social media the other day. I saw lots of news about the 60th anniversary and... uh, I thought I'd been forgotten, but uh, there's at least two chains of cinemas in the UK which are showing my films. This is incredible. Let me let me get in the fridge. Have we got any wine? No, oh, we have. Plenty. Blimey. When did we buy all this? Oh, yes, I know. Yeah, I remember. It's because I, when I read about the 60th uh, anniversary of not being involved, we, uh, well, I went to a local off-license. <clears throat> we won't talk about that now, but we've got some wine left. So we'll use that to celebrate this. Look at the list again, Kitty. Look, Gordon I, Morning with the Eyes, Well, is not enough. The, and the other one. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Oh, I am elated. I am beyond words. Uh, will you come with me and watch them, Kitty? Because I... No? Only one of them. Okay. No, that's fine. Well, shall I choose? Perhaps my second one. The world is not enough. Will you come and watch that with me? Wonderful. That is superb. Right. Well, this calls for a celebration, like I say. So, uh, charge your glasses. Oh, folks, if anybody's listening, I hope you are. Get yourselves to the cinema. This is going to be incredible. Really incredible. And I'm not, I'm not bitter, you know, about the, the London thing. Please don't think I'm, uh, I'm not throwing my toys out of the pram. Or uh, throwing my, uh, Toys out of the tank, <laughs> as it might have been. Um, no, I'm just pleased to have my face on the big screens again. And it's in 4K, Keely. 4K. Do you remember we used to have special K? Do you remember the Kellogg's? Yeah, 
I don't think it's the same. It's nothing to do with cereal. It's a, it's a definition of picture. Ah, superb. James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. After a long hiatus of six years where some thought Bond may never come back, we finally got a new James Bond in the form of Pierce Brosnan, and this is GoldenEye. When the world is the target. 72 hours ago, a secret weapon system was detonated over Savannah. And the threat is real. GoldenEye exists. A radiation surge that destroys everything with an electronic circuit. You can still depend on one man. I want you to find Goldeneye. Three. Find who took it. Two. And stop it. One. The name's Bond. James Bond. The world's most famous secret agent is back. We aim to please. And this time, 007 is facing the ultimate enemy. The man who knows him best. Hello, James. What an unpleasant surprise. 006. What's the matter? No pithy comeback? He was your friend. And now he's your enemy and you will kill him. Is the satellite in range? Target is London. Now, the entire world is about to be caught in the crossfire. See you in hell, James. You first. Kill him. The pleasure will be all mine. Did you check her out? That's it all. Three clicks, arms the fuse. Don't say it. The writing's on the wall. Grow up, 007. I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. You know, James, I was always better. Both of you, stop it. You like boys with toys. Trick is to quit while you're still here. I wouldn't think of it. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> Get us out of here! Bond. Only Bond. Man just won't take a hint. He don't need the gun. That depends on your definition of safe sex. On November 17th... Rabbit! United Artists brings you, trust me, James Bond. Why can't you just be a good boy and die? That's one trick I've never learned. So, we're here at the uh, Rock in Berry again. It's me, John, and Chris Goldie, and we're here to watch GoldenEye, mm-hmm. aren't we? So, um, I'm really excited about this one, but Chris, go on, tell me about your thoughts, your feelings about a film that we both love, but perhaps haven't talked about very much <laughs> on this podcast. No, well, I was just saying, saying that I, I think it's probably because we're, we're spoiled by this you know, fantastic franchise, that sometimes the ones that you know are what you regard as top tier it sort of slips through the net but yeah Goldeneye was it felt like 
it'd been decades since the last kind of Bond film and to see, you know, to see that teaser trailer, it was so exciting and it felt, yeah, it felt like this is exactly what we want, you know, uh, and then to, to, to see it, for, you know, for the releasing the song, you know, and mm. it was just, it felt like such a massive event. Uh, and it just like reinvigorated my love of, of Bond because it was the, the sort of the first one I saw as like you know as a not an adult but you know as a teenager. Yeah. So yeah, the, for me, Goldeneye has always held a, a, a spe- special place in, in my heart, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it on the big screen because it's it's Pierce Brosnan who, when I saw, hadn't, hadn't, hadn't I don't think I'd seen Remington Steele, um, so I didn't really know him, and mm. but I thought, man. Even with the beard at the press conference, I thought, he looks the part. <laughs> he absolutely looks the part. You're right. I think, for me, the, the, one of the things about this film is, is, is it was a very, very, very important film. Probably the most important film of the whole franchise in terms of the questioning of Bond's relevance after the yeah. Cold War. Yeah. Um, and it was so important that they got this right. If this film didn't go right, the franchise may yeah. never have returned or recovered. What a way to come back. So just mm-hmm. hit it absolutely head on. And to talk about a post-Cold War Russia, Bond's relevance within that as well. What I love about this film is, to me, this has got the greatest selection of villains in a Bond yeah, film. Yeah. I mean, and to me, is the most quotable Bond film. I must <laughs> use lines from this film on a daily basis. I mean... I, I, I did Google search it, but the amount of times I've said, uh, I think it's Bulliarch, which is what, uh, obviously, Xenia says. And uh, love the girl tastes like strawberries, um, you know, boys with toys. These, these quality lines um, that are just, just all over this. It's a great script, fantastic action scenes. Martin yeah. Campbell really, yeah, really yeah. does a terrific job with it. And obviously, then, there's the icing on the cake, isn't there, Chris? <laughs> Eric Serra. Oh, Eric Serra, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, for, like, obviously, he's, you know, he's no, he's no John Barry, because there is no other John Barry. But for me, when I went to see it, I felt that that music served the film perfectly. And, you know, and, and obviously, you know, when you first hear, you know, Ladies First, but, like, this seems... Strange, but the, the more I reflect on it, I think actually this sounds like a drive in the country. You know, the, the, there's parallels with yeah. that. So, I, so for me, yeah, the score it feels it's like has again you're in kind of you know in Russia after the you know post Cold War, Absolutely. it has like a, an industrial sound to it, which suits it really well. Whether it would have worked, that I don't think that would have worked with Tomorrow Never Dies. So I was really pleased that, that you know um, David Arnold came aboard. So yeah, yeah for me, this the score is. It would be difficult to watch it, you know, if it was to be replaced. I don't think it would work as well. I think it's integral to the film. Um, I'm in complete agreement with you as well. <laughs> I, I think it gets a bad rap because of Ladies First yeah. and the experience of love at the end. Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, the experience of love, the less said the better. But, like, there is a lot of great stuff in there. And lots of great industrial stuff. But there's not just, you know... I always think the music that is played when Bond's in the casino... Oh, it's beautiful. It's that amazing. Yeah, yeah, That's really, a brilliant like, yeah, piece of me, music. Yeah, I listen to that quite a lot, actually, because it, it just it sort of like hits the, the, the right notes in terms of that it has... It feels lush and, you know, like... It feels like the music you would hear if you're just wandering around the casino, and there's a little bit of intrigue in there as, you know, Bond's sort of putting things together. I think it's a great score, and... Um, yeah. Yeah, I can understand why people don't like it, but for me, it fits it perfectly. And now we're going to hear it 
in a cinema <laughs> surround sound. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead in there and we'll let you know of our thoughts later on. Hello again, this is Dom here. Goldeneye tonight. I'm really excited for this one. It's probably in my top three. Pierce Brosnan, I know it's his first James Bond film, but I feel like he really plays his part well. And after the five or six year hiatus from License to Kill, it totally takes a different turn. What strikes me every time I've watched Goldeneye in the past recently is that how modern it still looks. And I'll be interested to see if that's still reflected on the big screen. See, the soundtrack, I know it's very debated, but I quite like it, to be honest. I know the Ferrari Chase music's not the best, but I do like the dark underlying tones that I feel resemble the Cold War feel, or end of the Cold War feel, quite nicely. So I'm a big fan of the GoldenEye soundtrack. It's a shame it's not on vinyl, because I'm pretty sure I don't own it. So what else am I looking for? I just want to see how good the picture quality is, how the music sounds, and how it stands up today in 2022 as opposed to 1995. What stands out for me in this one, the villain Sean Bean, a fantastic villain. I really like Oromov as well. Not too sure about Boris Grushenko, but how can we forget Xenia on the top? What a villain she is. And of course, the Bond girl Natalia, one of my favorite Bond girls. She's very smart, manages to get out of the dish when it all comes down. Very resourceful, going to St. Petersburg, using the computer to try and communicate with Boris. Getting on the train and discovering where Trevelyan and Xenia are headed off to, Cuba. It's funny how every time Bond and Natalia get together, they're always in some sort of vehicle, which either comes to a deadly end or gets driven off, or at the end, obviously, the helicopter and they're taken away. And I can't give my proof thoughts without talking about being introduced as Judy Dench, the first woman of the series. I feel like it's a really good scene where she's introduced Tanner. Looks like your hunch was right, 007. Too bad the evil queen of numbers won't take it seriously or something like that. I can't exactly remember. And comes with a really powerful you were saying and just takes off from there as an authoritative woman. And of course, the briefing scene with Bond and them disagreeing about the bourbon and the cognac. I can't really remember. And basically going off on one. This is how it's going to be. I can send you out to die. I don't give a shit. The Q scene, that's a really good scene with the Z3. Shame we don't get to see more of the Z3. And Bond testing his patience. Shame we don't get to see him more out in the field, but I suppose it would be boring if he was out in the field in every movie. But on the top of my head, the best bits for me are Bond meeting Alec at the uh, disused wherever it is and discovers he's the bad guy. The satellite at the end. The tank chase. But yeah, I'm going to leave that there. Enjoy the film, everybody. Look forward to all your thoughts as well. Cheers, guys. Hello, this is Gary Kay at the Odeon Cinema in Bath. Just about to go in to watch GoldenEye. Looking forward to seeing this light-hearted James Bond film. It's my favourite of the four Pierce Brosnan films by quite a distance. Looking forward to seeing the damn pre-credit sequence again for the first time since 1995 when I saw Goldeneye I think about three times at the cinema I enjoyed it so much so looking forward to seeing that on the big screen again also looking forward to seeing Famke Janssen's On the Top uh, one of the better hench people of the Bond series certainly of the 90s Bond series 
as well as seeing Daniel Kleiman's first Bond title sequence and hearing Tina Turner's excellent Bond theme written by U2's Bono and Edge and um, heading on in now. Speak to you later. I am here at Odeon Lux once more on a Tuesday night, this time to see Goldeneye. Um, saw Licence to Kill last Saturday and that was absolutely incredible, but obviously in real life there was a five-year gap now between Licence to Kill, a five-year gap of absolute uncertainty, but then came back with Pierce Brosnan, a new Bond in the new era, and Goldeneye just set off something, it was a massive moment where, in my view, the sort of the franchise picked right up where it left off and then some and sort of kicked off... Uh, a really exciting run of films and perhaps it's probably I probably agree that Goldeneye might well be Pierce's best it was just an exciting time and not least because you know of everything that came with it all the hype an amazing trailer I remember collecting magazines and of course the N64 game it was just an incredible time to be alive <laughs> but the 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 for me I never I couldn't I wasn't old enough to see it at the cinema all my brothers went as part of a party but I had to wait till it came out to rent on video and that was at someone else's party. And I remember just a living room full of like maybe a dozen children all like on their knees watching, trying to watch it. I, I can't even remember much of the film, but I remember trying to see bits of it amongst the crowd. And it was just a massive event. I remember the chicken chips that went with it. It was just such a great time to be a kid. But yeah, that's me. That's where I am with the film. Um, but I'm very fortunate tonight because I'm not going alone. Now, you know, I've done some of these alone, but I've got company tonight in the form of James Turner. And James's former colleague of mine, who, when we first met, we discovered we had a mutual friend who my mum knew and he lived with. But then on Delving Deeper, we discovered we had much deeper mutual friends, the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Carl Weathers, and uh, and the like, and an absolute love of 90s action films. Well, sorry, 80s, 90s action films. And then uh, the friendship was forever secured. But James has joined me tonight. So, James, thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 yeah, Long go on. Long time listener, first time. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, because James has... Has uh, supported and listened to the podcast yeah. when he can. I um, use you to try and make sense of a lot of some of the things I've been seeing recently. Oh right, so there's no time to die. Use you as kind of therapy. A little yeah, bit. it's a strange, um, well, it's a strange period. <laughs> but you know, speaking of no time to die, that there was a, a you know a six year gap between Inspector and that as well, yeah. and uh, it shows what a gap can do. And you know, <laughs> Goldeneye when Goldeneye came out, the, yeah, this <laughs> is a much more satisfying gap. ending. But yeah, what's what? Obviously, James is a big action movie uh, fan, but what, what what's your history so with Bond? I'd, I'd, I've always loved Bond. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a, 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 an uber nerd. My upbringing pardon. was. Well, I'm an uber nerd <laughs> in the sense <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of I was exposed to slightly more hardcore action films. Like so, for whatever reason, my dad thought it'd be a good idea. I was introduced to Terminator <laughs> too young, <laughs> Aliens too young, oh. Command. Or you could say that. Or, well, I don't think too young. I think it's just. At the right time. It was the right just, time just for the you. Right time when you're like eight or nine <laughs> yeah. years old. But no, um, for me, cinema wasn't really a great experience until this moment in '95 because everything before this moment was things seen on VHS mm. or things recorded from ITV, sketchy stuff. But it, yeah. it was like my, my cinema experience up to this point was Honey, I Shrunk. <laughs> Some shocking stuff I got dragged to. Uh, oh, I might even go into it. Just not great. And and then this came along. Oh, so in '95, wow. I was 13. Oh, and this came age. out. I I mean, Living Daylights, absolutely incredible film. Back in the day, you had to wait three or four years for stuff like that to come out. Yeah. And I had seen the Living Daylights, and I think 
The Living Daylights was one of the first Bond films that I actually really paid close attention oh, to. Wow. My dad wasn't a big Bond guy, but it was like, this was just for me, really. When I saw this on ITV with my old VHS ready, wow. yeah, recorded that. And then finally, when this came out, I was old enough to like, right, this is it. Yeah. We're going to get dropped off by my friend's mum. <laughs> We're going to go in and it just absolutely... It means a lot, doesn't it, that experience? It blew, because the cinema wasn't... It just wasn't... Didn't really just strike a chord until this point. It was like, you know, this is a proper kind of like the first action, you know, yeah. violent adult film that I'd, yeah. I'd ever seen at the cinema. And it just... I, I can remember where I sat in the cinema at Wakey. Oh, I just remember everything. Word. It just totally blew me away. And that... I mean, even God, first on-screen crushes that we'll talk about later. <laughs> it was like I'm pretty sure, I'm, yeah. So could, uh, what, that was it. That's that was sort it of. Me. Who would you say is your bond? Then does that make Pierce your bond, or is the? Do you know? Do you have a? Okay, is it too, too big a question? <sighs> it's a funny one. Bond, yeah. So for me, Pierce is my bond because I kind of think it kind of acts back to. I mean, Connery for me is the goat. It, yeah. it just is when you yeah. when you when you see him. Very hard. But yeah. I think he plays that better line of being more like that. Who, those Connery moments that you see today. No, sorry, Connery has that link of. I think he's got that swagger of Connery. I mean, he was forty-two when he played this, and he was absolute fire. I mean, mm. I'm married, two kids, but yeah, my word, what a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but he, he's got that element of. Um, Crikey, sorry, I'm tired. No, I no, no. On the floor last night, it's a little. Um, <laughs> he's got that. Je ne sais quoi. He's got that je ne sais quoi, and he, and he reminds me of a slightly. He's still got those little camp moments, those little mm. bits of playfulness that yeah. came with not Connery, but uh, Roger Moore. Moore Roger yeah, Moore. yeah, yeah. But he had that kind of hard corners to him that I never really bought into with Moore. You know? Yes, I never. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like when. You know, when Daniel Craig came along and it was that kind of like genre, just like, well, hang on a minute, this guy is literally just battered these guys. Yeah. He's got a gun to the back of some guy's head, thrown him out of the window. He's like, well, this is a new type of bond. Yeah. And I think that's what it went back to. Although, saying that, I mean. Dalton, yeah. Dalton. Yeah. That was my first real experience of bond, and I was like, it's, I like that. It's I mean, almost like. Don't get that. Was, yeah. I think a lot of people might say, like, Brosnan is kind of. He, uh, the perfect combination of all of them. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, that he was that. He was kind of like branched out between. It was. It was kind of like that branch between your Dalton, which who I thought, you know, Living Daylights. Yeah, yeah. very hardcore. Yeah, very aggressive. Yeah. yeah, very. This is a different kind of Bond, and yeah. I can imagine him trying that in you know in the yeah. uh, in that in that era. But yeah, he he has that fine line, and it's just. Yeah, it's just cool. It's the, just great. The other strand to it, like I've mentioned, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you're a bit of a gay. You like computer games, don't you? Oh my word! You so can't even talk to me about exactly. There's yeah. there's something we need to talk about here. And elephant that, in the elephant yeah, yeah. In the car. Yeah, and that's um, Churrock. <laughs> no, 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 that's uh, Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, Bond N64 is just yeah, and, yeah, and just how it emulates the soundtrack, everything. From yes, the film. Oh, yeah. I've got. I mean, I've got the cables that allow it to still run on oh, my yeah. new new TV, like modern TV. That's it's just nothing's real. That that hand. No. It's nothing's gone as no. well together, hand in hand, as that no. video game the film and the appetite that grew with that weight it was just it landed it, so well and so it just well. had the legs it just had those yeah, yeah. and even I've even played the more recent where they tried to emulate on the PC where they tried to update it with better graphics and so it doesn't need that it doesn't it doesn't right. translate right yeah it's yeah. just and the and same still, thing with the film there's still talks now of 
bringing some kind of updated version out. I just don't need the can. The can, yeah. because it's just that physical. I don't understand it's like I nearly did this with a laugh. I nearly brought in a bag <laughs> an N64 controller. Just and a hole. just as it was kicking off, I was just going <laughs> to yeah. and be like, you'd be looking like, what is he doing? And be like, yeah. you, you don't know, there but could I be others know. with the same mindset. Yeah, who'll come in. and if, if we split between another dude, it might be a little bit But awful. like, it's yeah. the last thing to mention before we go in is, it's that age, you know, when you're young as well. It came out when we were children. There was a computer game to go with it. That's kind of, to me, what Bond's always been about in terms of a, an excited child seeing an action hero I mean, that you can recreate. I mean, we're not trying to disagree with you, but I had the, all the stickers from the Living Daylights from oh. the Kellogg series. Oh, yeah, so no, no, please no, don't no, no, no. The, the power of a sticker, a yeah. free sticker from Kellogg's. A buddy of mine who's a big Bond fan, he had a massive... Oh. Massive Living Daylights poster from Smith's Chris. Smith's Chris, yeah, it they did this. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, yeah. I but, had all that stuff before I even saw the film, but yeah. But, no, but James just good. confirming his age for us there, yeah. yeah fantastic. Yeah. No, no, yeah. So <laughs> 40 last week. I, but, you know, despite all this love, and where me and James differ as well, is that I have never seen this at the cinema. This is going to, you know, this is a cinema, uh, sorry, a film to be enjoyed at the cinema, just from the opening scene at the dam. I just, you know, there's so many things I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know... I'm sure the audience are all in the same position where this is quite an important and special movie and to see it at the cinema again should bring back a lot of uh, positive memories and great feelings from 90, uh, 1995. So, yeah, we'll check in with our feelings after, but thanks for joining me, James. Thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, excited. Anytime. David Labrigellis, a.k.a. Licensed to Queer, is a huge fan of Goldeneye and it meant a lot to him and us, of course, growing up as a Bond fan. So here are his thoughts before watching Goldeneye on the big screen. So I've literally just parked up at uh, the Odeon Cinema in Merry Hill in Dudley, about 20 minutes from where I live. Actually the cinema where I think I first saw Tomorrow Never Dies back in 1997 when I was 15 years old. Not the cinema I saw Goldeneye, which is the film I'm about to see. I don't think the cinema I saw Goldeneye at actually exists anymore so <laughs> uh, it would have been too neat symmetry i think to return to see goldeneye at the exact same cinema 27 years later oh my god so i was 13 years old when i saw goldeneye at the cinema the first bomb film i saw at the cinema having been a massive bomb fan watching the films on tv mostly and uh, from about the age of six or so and then Goldeneye was the first one I actually got to see at the cinema I didn't see it the opening weekend or anything like that in fact I think I saw it about two three weeks into the run after loads of people at school had seen it and I don't want to sound like a spoiled brat here but my parents were the uh, uh, the sort of people who you know they go oh we'll wait until it gets a bit quieter and then we'll go to see it which I can understand that logic uh, but it for a 13 year old Bond fan who knew there was a film on at the cinema that I do remember that being quite hard to take um, uh, I do remember someone I uh, not a close friend uh, but an acquaintance um, some, he was sort of lording it over me saying oh I've seen it and it's the best thing ever and Anyway, when I eventually went to see it, I pretty much agreed. <laughs> One of the best things I've ever seen. I don't actually remember that much about the the first um, 
the first viewing. Apart from I, I was so sufficiently impressed. I, I had a overwhelming feeling of wanting to own the film, and I, I did have this a lot when I was a teenager. I still get it to an extent nowadays, and that's why I buy merchandise and stuff. But I, I really just felt like I had to have it. And of course, this was back in the age when we had to wait for ages for things to come on video. And but the next best thing was owning the soundtrack CD. So I do remember going into Virgin Mega Store. I think remember those? Anyone? This is a full-on nostalgia trip. This is. Um, so I do remember going into Virgin Megastore and picking up the soundtrack and I remember my dad saying uh, but you know it's only got one song on it well actually it had two because it's got uh, the experience of love from the end but his point was that you know it was the orchestral score on there and I think he feared that I might be disappointed but it didn't matter it had Goldeneye on it and the disc actually was gold I've still got it um, somewhere at home and yeah, I, I, I. That was the that was the score that actually started my obsession with film soundtracks and film music in general. I know the Eric Serra score is really divisive, but I love it. And possibly nostalgia plays a role there, but I genuinely think it's quite innovative and whatever. Um, I was so obsessed with Goldeneye that when I went on a school trip, um, I. I couldn't bear leaving it at home. This is so embarrassing to admit. I couldn't bear leaving Goldeneye at home. So this is after I got it on VHS. God knows how many months after it was on at the cinema. It was actually released on VHS. Uh, but I remember picking the VHS up from Sainsbury's. And then we were going on this school trip. And because I couldn't bear being away from the film. And of course there was no way to take a film with you. Back in 1996 it would have been by then. I actually, um, this is really, really sad, I recorded the sound of the film uh, onto cassette tape so I could play it on my Walkman. It wasn't a knock, it wasn't a Walkman, it was like the Argos catalogue knockoff version of a Walkman. Uh, but, um, play, yeah, so I could actually play the film, uh, at least the sound of the film, and I remember having to kind of wait until everyone was out the house to um, record because I didn't want anyone talking in the background. Oh my God, this is like so sad. If anyone else has ever had this experience, can they please get in touch and reassure me that they might have done something similar. The consequence of this was that I got to know the sound of Goldeneye really well. So even when I watch the film now, I know the exact sound effects the um the the dialogue that cues up the next scenes i always remember the scene on the frigate where the um where the guy uh, basically says um prepare to take your seats for the presentation of the aircraft um and then that cut there for some reason that bit always sticks in my head but the sound from that bit anyway that was the only way to really own the film back then um, and then of course the video game came out in 1997 which I spent about 500 hours of my life on that's a very rough estimate probably an underestimate there so yeah that's my association with Goldeneye and why it means a lot to me really and I really don't know how this is going to feel seeing it in the cinema for the first time in 20, nearly 27 years um, it might be a kind of, oh, you know, yeah, it holds up. It's just as good as it always is on DVD, which I've seen, obviously, countless times. Or it might kind of trigger other emotions. Who knows? I suppose 
I'll just have to go in there and and find out really. So I'm in the cinema, I've arrived miles early, as I usually do for any cinema showing. Um, but I arrived extra early today, just in case uh, it was heaving and there was uh, a queue around the block uh, for Goldeneye, uh, 27 years later. Um, actually, I booked my ticket online, so I didn't even have to queue, so I've got no excuse really. But um, Oh, and it's one of my favourite music cues from Mulan playing in the background, so that's a bonus. Um, anyway, not long now. Anyway, uh, I didn't arrive too early. I think um, half an hour is perfectly socially acceptable. Um, and uh, there are quite a few people of around my age um, <laughs> who I suspect are here for the same thing. Uh, but no one is yet making eye contact. Um, so we might start having to break out the, uh, the, the passcodes in a minute. So, in London, April's a spring month, etc, etc, etc. Hello, everybody. We have entered the Pierce Brosnan era, and I'm with Sam and Math here, and I know Sam is someone who was brought up with Brosnan and loves the films. We're the same in a way. We, we probably knew the others more through watching them on video, but Pierce was the first Bond we grew up with at the cinema. And I think, even though you might say, oh, you've seen all these at the cinema before now, this is just as special for me because it brings back those amazing memories. I think, that, well, Math and I, I went once for my 12th birthday party uh, with a couple of mates, came back to Math, who was too young, and Harry, completely ruined it, ruined the ending for them, yeah. for England James and all that. And then somehow Math snuck in, I've done the same gag before. Yeah. He managed to get in. Did he, did he get a ticket for a different film or something? No, no, like? we didn't do that that time. We just, I think we booked... Dad rang ahead or something and then just collected the tickets and then, you know, strolled through. Didn't say a thing. No. Yeah. But that was the second <laughs> attempt because the first attempt oh, was yeah. thwarted when we tried to get them, you know, there and then. Oh, right. Um, and we watched Ace Ventura when Nature Calls instead. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when did you first see it then, Sam? Uh, you were too I, young I, to see it at cinema. I was six months old. Oh, well, so, oh, you're so, at least you're alive. So, you know, I was yeah, alive. Yeah. So first one when I was alive, I mean, I was thinking about this and I was like, I definitely watched, I saw the first maybe 20 minutes of, uh, 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 I think my auntie and uncle's house for like a family party and I think it was either when, it's very unclear, so I'm, I'm sure it was either like ITV either, either premiere or one, yeah. of the, or, or one of the first right. times. You had to wait on. a few years, didn't you? I think, well, I, I feel like it's like 99, 2000, in my mind it's like, that's what right. I feel, yeah. but um, it might not be, but anyway. So I remember seeing like the Aston Martin and the Ferrari and I, well, I watched that whole bit in the casino. But then as soon as oh. Xenia got in the scene in the bedroom, I like, I, I don't know if the adults either were like, oh, he's like, you should watch, oh, like, I was oh, just like, my oh my God, like just being really scared. But, um, so I didn't watch anything past that. So then I yeah, actually can't remember, the, so I can't actually remember the first time I watched it fully yeah. after that, but that memory is very strong. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but no, I probably played the game more at the time than Oh yeah, of course. Film. Because that did come out in 97 or? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, quite a bit later, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah, yeah. And the Tomorrow Never Dies, Matthew Ashworth had it on the yeah, PlayStation. Yeah, that, that was a bit later than Yeah, the, Dies yeah they were. It. Quite I quite love that because it keeps the, oh, the yeah, momentum yeah. together, oh, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Fills in the gaps. Yeah. yeah. Which, if only. Well, we're meant to be getting a Bond game, aren't we? We're meant to be. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
does. We d- well, we know, I think it's Jim Jam's Bond on Twitter. I don't know his real name. I think he's one of the developers on that. So he must be currently yeah. loving it. Uh, but yeah, Go- GoldenEye, I presume it's, it's in everyone's top five, maybe, possibly. Yeah, it's number four. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I struggle with rankings. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's really up there, you know, it was such a seminal moment. Yeah. See, seeing Bond on the cinema for the first time you know I didn't I almost didn't know that you could make new Bonds because they yeah, hadn't made yeah. one in, really in my life you know and like yeah they're making a new Bond film and this and Dalton wasn't guy. sort of really appearing on TV on no, chat shows no, as no, Bond wouldn't, and all wouldn't know that no yeah. so you know it really and then it absolutely you know, blew me away and it just it felt like a huge cultural moment yeah it's what really propelled our love oh. for Bond into an abs- absolute yeah. obsession Absolute, with doing yeah. our films and yeah, yeah. Watch, we got all the tie-in sort of novels and books and yeah gorgeous mem- magazines those trading cards I seem to remember I don't know we'll have to find those yeah. we got the, the Wolf the, the gun yeah, yeah the gun I just feel like this era now is kind of like when Bond came to the forefront of, again in, yeah. in the yeah. pop culture yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I think this is like peak, it would get into peak you know get toys and video games yeah you know collectibles merchandise all of that stuff um, and a lot of anniversary stuff comes in, and there's a lot of compilations yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think this is this is the best. I think this this like really straddles the two eras of classic yeah, Bond. Yeah, and, I think so. I would yeah, say yeah. As modern Bond. I think this era still is very very relatable today. Like yeah, a yeah. Of, of, yeah. Of the it won't have dated much. I'll be interested to see. I mean, I've only watched it once since we started the podcast yeah, because but, I weirdly save. I like to save my favourites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm so excited. I, I'm. I saw this at the cinema about seven years ago. It was the oh, right. first oh. non-Craig film I saw at the cinema, and it was, right. and I saw it at Printworks, and it was like you're just like, oh my god, oh my god, like yeah, the yeah. entire thing because it's just so good the entire way through. Yeah. Something this on the cinema screen is like one of the best experiences. I can't wait. We we better go now, but we've been looking forward to this. This again. I mean, there's we're looking forward to all twenty five, but this in particular. It's a big moment, as they say. Yeah. So anyway, right, we will, we will chat to you after watching GoldenEye on the big screen. Hi, I'm Star Parodi. And I'm Jeff Fair. And we're the creators of the music for the Bond GoldenEye teaser trailer, the Parodi Fair version. And you are listening to the amazing... Really 007. James, I want you to stop this car. Really? Stop this car at once! <laughs> As you can see, I have no problem with female authority. <sighs> James, you're incorrigible. What am I going to do with you? Well, let's toast your evaluation, shall we? Mm. A very thorough Hello, really 007, Stephen here. Just giving another review of uh, when I went to see Goldeneye, actually. That was uh, at the Prince Charles Cinema early June. Yeah, really good Bond movie, actually, you know. Yeah, uh, it's one of my favourites. Anyways, it's a 90s cult <laughs> movie, you know, just it's quotable lines and just the, you know, Nintendo 64 game, which I grew up loving and playing. I used to love that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, just, I remember like sort of reenacting the scenes of my mate from primary school. Yeah, just because it's just a very just important movie in my life anyways. And even though Pierce Brosnan isn't my favourite Bond, like he's got like the sort of like 
emotional side of him he's got the funny side of him and just yeah i think he makes a great bond like you know he's just kind of algorithm of all the other bond incarnations gone before um the other casts are great like sean bean he's great as alec and then you've got general rumov who's uh Gokfeet John, who plays him, and then you've got Famke Jansen. Man, she really corrupted my childhood. Before Bond, I was into Postman Pat, Sesame Street, Disney movies. Then I saw that stuff, and it kind of just really corrupted me as uh, a fresh way, just seven years old. Yeah, just really great sequences as well, from the bungee jump to the sort of action sequences, even in the archives when like Bond and Natalia were trying to escape from the Russian guards and that, just like it's the highest kill count for Bond as well, because he like mows down a lot of like Russian guards and that. Yeah, it's great playing it on like the N64 game and the reloaded game on the Xbox as well. Yeah, have loads of fun playing that. And then uh, obviously I just love the tank chase. And then I just love the final brutal fight between you know bond and 006 when they're fighting and just the emotional exchange you know for england james no for me bush uh gets me every time uh, i think the only thing that lets it down is just um the eric Serra music i mean i like the tina turner song even though that's nothing to do with you know the main composer but i don't know just the just the music just sounds kind of like meh just unimportant really and i kind of also wish they used the bmw said three more i mean we've got the tank chase which is like a compensation for it but yeah i kind of wish they kind of you know incorporated a car chase with that car but you know it's fine goldeneye great movie uh it's one of my favorites that's actually my second favorite bond movie compared to the dolan ones which is like you know living Taylor's is first then goldeneye second license to kill third and then so on and so on and so on always love that movie it's just a cult favorite cult classic Right, see you guys later. Bye-bye. Patch here. I managed to see a big screen showing of Goldeneye on Tuesday, and I must honestly say I had a brilliant time. Of all the Bond films that I rank in my top five, this is the one that's definitely been somewhat of a recent grower. I can't remember exactly when I first saw it, though I do believe my first Brosnan Bond film was The World Is Not Enough. Now, Pierce Brosnan's portrayal of Bond is one that I've always liked, but perhaps not always appreciated. In the past, whenever I thought of him, I just sort of went, yeah, he's good, and left it at that. And yet every time I see him performing on screen, I'm reminding that the guy was a very good Bond. Maybe not as unique as his predecessors, but nonetheless very believable in the role, because he clearly loved it. Out of his four films, GoldenEye is usually regarded by fans as his best, though many will argue, and I do agree in this instance, but The World Is Not Enough has the better performance from Brosnan. He is, however, superb here too. If there's one element of this film that always strikes me, it's how confident and at ease Brosnan seems in the role. You'd think he'd still kind of be working his way into things, understanding all the mannerisms and the toughness required to play Bond, yet he seems to pull it off without a hitch. If I had to guess, it's probably thanks to Martin Campbell coaching him as well as the atmosphere of filming in an environment like Leaveston Studios. Brosnan himself even said it was ideal for him as, quote, There's no ghost for me to have to contend with. No Sean, no Roger, roaming the corridors. Even if I got to watching Pierce's films a little later than the Connerys and Moors, and still haven't played its famous video game adaptation, sorry folks, though I'd like to give it a shot one day, GoldenEye has comfortably slipped into my personal set of top-tier Bonds for good reason. There's a certain maturity to it, you might say. And I don't just mean in the script, which I still think does the best job out of all the modern Bond films in trying to answer the question of where Bond fits in the post-Cold War world. 
I'm also talking about the directorial style. Though on a personal level Lewis Gilbert is my favourite Bond director, I wouldn't hesitate to argue against Martin Campbell on an objective level being the best. Both here and in Casino Royale, he just has a knack for framing his shots in memorable angles. To put it simply, the direction is very classy. Even scenes that on paper might be disinteresting because they go on for a fairly long time, keep me interested for more reasons than one. The Servanaya sequence, for example, which has quite a lot to do. It's got to introduce us to Natalia, have a little suspense, and show the villains progressing with their heinous schemes. A tall order, but Campbell somehow paces it perfectly. The tone is very well judged, and since we're cutting back to MI6 at various points, it's not as if the audience know too much in advance before the good guys find out. There's still a bit of mystery left open after all. Who was the insider that let Oromov and Xenia in? And best of all, the fact that Campbell and the scriptwriters are actually dedicating time to get us to know Natalia before she even meets Bond is unique. She's another more civilian type Bond girl, who happened to be in the wrong place at the right time when the plot kicks off. I admire that before the villains show up at Servanaya, we do get to see her interacting with her co-workers a little, because once they're dead and Natalia is standing amongst their corpses, there's a real impact. Campbell's direction excels here, because it helps this fantasy world that the Bond series exists in feel big and actually lived in. There's a good reason one might consider Natalia amongst the best leading ladies of the series. A lot of the time she can handle herself, and though Bond does have to save her a few times, it's not like she gets obnoxious or annoying. Either way, it's somewhat similar to what made Dalton's leading ladies work so well, if you think about it. I utterly adore the lineup of villains in this film, and I hardly think the quality of them has been matched since. I don't need many words to describe how insanely brilliant Famke Janssen is as Xenia on the top. Whilst Gottfried John as Oromov has one of those very expressive and distinctive faces, that he manages to be both hilarious and maniacal at the same time. Alan Cummings is legendary as Boris Grishenko, and a refreshingly different kind of stooge for the main villain. His skills lie in his technical wizardry, not strength like most henchmen in the series, if you can even consider him a henchman that is. Pretty good expectation subversion to reveal him working for Yanis. Then of course, there's Sean Bean as Trevelyan. Pitting Bond against a former friend is one of those genius ideas that you could only do once, but it's done to perfection here. The scene in the graveyard where the two reunite is one of my favourites in the whole film simply because of the performances. After seeing the pair being so warm and friendly together in the pre-credits, it's easy to sympathise with how Bond feels so conflicted. It only helps to make their brilliantly choreographed final fight on the satellite dish all the more cathartic and rewarding. Though this film does start the trend of Bond becoming more like a 90s action hero who goes all guns blazing, Rosnan's Bond uses a lot of machine guns after all, that doesn't make any of the action scenes any less spectacular. There's an insane amount of breathtaking stunts in this film, both big and small, so I'd be wasting my breath describing how brilliant they are. Therefore, the last thing I'll comment on before I finish off is the score. In the cinema, I definitely heard some bits I don't recall being on the soundtrack, which I have listened to a fair few times. Is it one of the best Bond scores? No. Eric Serra is no John Barry or David Arnold. Either the John Altman tracks aren't quite as memorable, though they are more Bondian. 
most of the score just feels a tad dated and suited to another type of film. Ladies first, anyone? There are a selection of tracks I do quite like, however. The Golden Eye Overture isn't too shabby for a more industrial take on the Bond theme. Run, Jump and Shoot is one of the action cues used a fair amount throughout the film, and I find it fairly catchy. But the recurring theme used first in the track We Share the Same Passions, which is used when Bond arrives at the casino in Monte Carlo, and it's later woven into Natalia's theme, I think that's a very relaxing tune. There's just something about the way it's composed, and the casino scene it plays over, the feeling that the film is welcoming the Bond franchise back after its six-year hiatus with a classic Bondian environment. Familiar, but fresh. And that might just be a suitable description for this entire film. Goldeneye transitions Bond beautifully into the post-Cold War era, while still maintaining everything we expect from the series. It lived up to my expectations after re-watching it on the big screen, and that's a great testament to how still spectacular it is 27 years after it first came out. Hi guys, it's Tom here with my musings on GoldenEye. So at the Preston Odeon uh, on Tuesday night, really well attended. What I'd say it's probably one of the, the better attended, or possibly best attended, showing of any of the, the films uh, in this run so far which surprised me a little bit but maybe like me you know this this was the first Bond film that a lot of people saw in the cinema I went to the different Preston cinema <laughs> to see it back in 1995 my brother took me I was 11 and up until this point you know Bond had been a, a small screen adventure for me I knew there were films obviously but I'd never seen any of them on the big screen until GoldenEye so maybe you know that that plays its part that it's for me a top tier Bond film. It's it's up there in the upper reaches of, of the of the series. There's very little I can fault on the film, to be honest. It represented a new era for Bond. Six years had passed since License to Kill, so it was a new era in lots of ways. A new Bond and Pierce, a new M and Judy Dench, and a lot of the crew and the team behind the Bonds had moved on. I think I'm right in saying that this was the first film that Cubby didn't have any involvement with. Barbara and, and Michael went it alone at this point. So it was a big roll of the dice. The Cold War was over. And whilst there is a very strong Cold War reference throughout the film, it's a new era and a, a departure. I love it. Uh, seeing it on the big screen again reinforced the love for the film. I think... The pre-title sequence is one of the best. Not the best, but one of. I still maintain that The Living Daylights has the best pre-title sequence of any Bond film. Apart from maybe Spy You Love Me, but anyway. You know, Bond is back when you're watching that. Just the way he's introduced. Cracking way to, to, to introduce a new Bond in that way. Theme song, love it. It's, it's one of my favourites. The title sequence is great. I think overall soundtrack is the weakest point of the film especially you know coming out of the title sequence into the, the car chase I don't I don't feel that that really suits the action maybe that's just me but we're picking holes in what is and always will be one of my favourites I think I just think it's such an enjoyable film I love the 006 Electrovellian character in the way 
the way it's set up in the pre-titles and then the way the story unfolds. Excellent. Top-rate Bond. It is top-tier Bond for me. Looking forward to the rest of Pierce's. Down to the day, maybe not so much. But, you know, we'll see. I'll reserve judgment too. It's just great seeing all the films back on the, the big screen, isn't it? Um, it's crazy that, you know, we've moved at a pace where we're, we're now into the, the Brosnan era. Up next, Tom Willard dies. Another of my favourites. Really love that one. Looking forward to seeing that at the weekend. Keep up the good work, chaps. Bye. Hi, this is Dom here. Saw Goldeneye last night in Milton Keynes. The first thing I want to talk about is the introduction of James Bond in this film. I feel the introduction of him is fantastic. Not showing his face and right in the heat of the moment, starting his mission. The build-up, pulling on that dam. Putting the rope down, connecting all his bungee equipment on the stunt is absolutely amazing. No music, just silence and just the eerie wind noise. Getting on to the reveal of James Bond in that toilet block was quite funny. Spring is my favourite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The reveal of Bond himself in the cubicle is a nice introduction, shows a bit of sense of humour from the producers and whatnot. Not going to be the uh, aggressive style that Timothy Dalton went away with, which is missed, but at the same time, I guess after the hiatus, they wanted to take it in another direction, which is fair enough. So Alec, a nice introduction to Alec as well. On sneaking around in the cupboard, trying to be all secretive, and then Alec is there and spooks him out a bit, but in the end, he reveals himself as his ally, so it doesn't really matter. Then them taking down the base until that key fob thingy-majiggy sets off all the alarms and everyone comes. Manages to do a lot of damage to them, but in the end, they just get overpowered. And then the plot twist, where Alec is taken hostage and Bond is like, Oh no, what am I going to do now? Obviously, I'm not sure if this was intended all along, but I assume it probably was. So anyway, these shot and then Bond manages to get away by using the stack of whatever they're called explosive cylinders I'm not sure anyway I'm not sure how on earth he goes from being at top of the dam to the outside of the base and on the flat bit there but never mind I guess they just oversaw that but the plane stunt again fantastic this James Bond is very daring very brave a great stunt that one then moving on to the song I thought it sounded really good in the cinema but by the end of the song, I had enough of Tina Turner's screams. But I'll have to reconsider my James Bond songs rankings because it did sound pretty good. So I think I need to reconsider. Then the car chase. Yeah, I really enjoyed the car chase. Brosnan playing it cool and sassy. The casino scene is top James Bond. The introduction revealing his name there is fantastic. 
Even though it's his first film, I feel he's very comfortable in the role. I'm not sure if he's like on holiday or on a mission at this point in Monaco. As we haven't seen M yet, unless he's seen M behind the camera and we don't know about that. I assume he's arrested, but he must have been bailed out somehow. Anyway, we carry on to Servanaya now, where the introduction of Natalia Simeova and Boris Grushenko. I really enjoyed Isabella Skorupo's performance as Natalia Simeova. Alan coming as Boris Grushenko. I didn't really have a lot of time for this character, to be honest. I find him annoying and misogynistic and I just didn't really like him. But he is crucial to the plot of the film, although I'm not sure how on earth he goes outside for a cigarette and is somehow intercepted by Xenia and Arumov. I don't really understand. Unless he knew they were coming and he's the insider and managed to make his own way. But this part is not explained to me. So all the destruction of Servanaya is done by Xenia and Arumov by taking the Golden Eye and getting away with it. The MiGs come, obviously they're blown up as well as the dish. And then we get on to the MI6 scene with Tanner, who's a very likeable Tanner in my opinion in this James Bond, Pierce Brosnan series. Moni Penny, who is also a very good actress, Samantha Bond. And Judy Dench, of course, who the introduction I thought was fantastic and just how I remembered it. Then after this scene, we get St. Petersburg with Oromov briefing Dmitry Miskin and Michael G. Wilson, no less, who is sitting at this table in his usual cameo. Arumov trying to shovel the shit under the blanket by saying the destruction of Servanar was taken place by freedom fighters and not by his own people. Once Miskin corrects him that two people are missing as opposed to one, then he realises he's done wrong and psychologically breaks, as we see by his persistent drinking from a hip flask in the remainder of the film. Q-Branch scene next. I felt this was a really enjoyable Q-Branch scene with a lot of gadgets being tested and right in the element for all Q fans. Q is very humorous in this scene as well, with all his quirks and sayings, as well as, don't touch that, that's my lunch, is a good humorous line we all laughed at in the cinema. I feel Bond leaving the airport at St. Petersburg, which I believe is some race course in the UK, doubled. Brosnan's looking cool in his long jacket and suit. Is the introduction of Jack Wade, who I assume they didn't want to use Felix Leiter, as people may be confused for his maiming in the previous film. I feel Wade is a good ally, but I don't think he has a patch on Felix Leiter. The brief scene of Zukowski and his mistress is funny. I thought they had a good connection in this scene. I'm going to move this on now. Sean Bean, Janus, the reveal of Sean Bean as Trevelyan again is amazing. The build up and science and eerie noises. And then when he walks out from the darkness, I just thought that was brilliant. Jet Bond is totally stunned. Can't believe it. Then he moves on from the fact it was his friend and now he has to concentrate on the mission. Leon's Cossack story, I don't know how real that is in life, but it's a good motive for him to want to get back at the British service, so. Then we move on to Bond and Natalia in the helicopter, somehow managing to get away, and then Natalia's acting very hostile towards James Bond until he knows all about Servanaya and that her watch has been there until she starts to warn to him eventually. The interrogation scene, boys with toys, Always a good line. That got a few laughs as well. Arumov coming back being drunk. Probably worried about the death penalty or something. Then the tank chase. Natalia and Arumov just getting away and Bond just absolutely destroying everything in his way. is brilliant. I really enjoyed that. Getting onto the train scene. That was good. But I don't know how on earth he gets to the tunnel. Unless it's just outside St. Petersburg. Because there's no way he'd be able to do that. But for the purposes of film, it's allowed. Getting on to Cuba now, it's a shame the Z3 isn't seen for much longer, it's a beautiful car, 
and it's a shame it's in for no less than probably 30 seconds before Wade takes it. The reveal of the satellite dish, the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico no less, which was in another film with Jodie Foster, I can't think of the name, it's sadly been destroyed in the last couple of years. It would have been nice to take a bonded pilgrimage to go and actually see that thing. Bond and Natalia infiltrating the satellite inside is fantastic. Bond shooting, setting the bombs off, Natalia going rogue and changing the coordinates or whatever the satellite and Boris can't crack the codes then is brilliant as well. Then running away, setting and blowing up everything. The fight between Bond and Trevelyan is brilliant on the bottom of that satellite. The ending for England James? No. For me, and then just let's go have him was good. I don't hear any rounds of applause, but I'm sure I should have done because that was just excellent. Then being whisked off away in helicopters to Guantanamo. So yeah, that's Goldeneye. I really enjoyed this one. The quality was fantastic, the pitch quality. The question I asked myself at the beginning was, is it going to hold up as well as it has done in my previous viewings? The answer I think is actually no, which is surprising. It's just some of the scenes did look a bit dated, but in contrast, thanks to the Blu-ray restoration quality, some of the scenes did look modern and contemporary. So what do I like the most about this? I thought Pierce Brosnan as James Bond was fantastic, Natalia, Sean Bean, Xenia, Famkin Janssen, um, even Tanner I thought was good. What didn't I like? I didn't like Boris very much. He's basically just the Russian scientist from No Time to Die basically, but just 25 years previous. A bit of comic relief for the audience, but give me Russian Sheriff J.W. Pepper any day. Okay, I've chatted enough for long now. I think Tomorrow Never Dies next week will be seen. Tickets are still available, so I think me and my girlfriend will be going to watch that. Hope you've enjoyed my thoughts on this. Cheers, guys. Hello there. It's uh, Andy and Yvonne Curran here. Last night, we went to see Pace Brosnan's debut Bond film, Goldeneye. And we saw this at the Liverpool One Cinema, the Odeon. Yeah. Uh, we were trying to get in at, at Warrington, but that was sold out. Yeah, went to check. Yeah, completely sold out. Yeah. So. Even the showing in, in Liverpool was, was quite, a, quite a full house. So yeah. it was nice, nice to see uh, a movie with a full house and, a, and, a, and an audience that was yeah. enjoying, the, enjoying the film. Now, you've seen this when it first came out in 95. I did, yes. Yes. I have to confess here, I have quite a gap in my kind of Brosnan era bond. I don't think I've ever seen one all the way through. You, Again, it's kind of channel surfing kind of... You quite weren't quite sure which one this one was, were you? Yeah, before we went to see it, it was like, is this the one with the invisible car? No. Terry Hatcher in this? No. Is it the one with the bad Christmas joke? Certainly not. Is it the Robbie Coltrane and some oil? Yeah, it's the other Robbie Coltrane one. Ah. Mm. This, one? this is the one where Sean Bean dies. That narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> All I could remember was there was a tank, and of course the Tina Turner theme. Yes, the the tank the tank series is is glorious. It's brilliant to see that on the big screen. It was yeah. And with the surround sound, you, you you could feel the floor yeah. rumbling as the as the the tank sort of yeah. goes through the through the streets. Did you enjoy the film as much as when you first saw it, or has it aged? I I I felt it's. I did enjoy it, but I feel it has aged quite a quite a bit. We watched uh, License to Kill the other week, not on the cinema, on on Blu-ray, and I, I don't think License to Kill has aged as, as much yeah. as this has. It's your theory of technology dates a film quicker than fashion, and, and I I think yeah, nothing nothing dates a movie more than a big boxy computer, <laughs> and I, th I think the fact that sort of they almost have to explain what an email is and how you send an email back in nineteen ninety five that seemed quite exotic. Yeah, because I don't think I I use an internet or use the internet until. Until about 98 so yeah it was probably quite modern at the time yeah yeah but but yeah nowadays it's sort of yeah. uh, we, we are now we're living in a completely <laughs> different world technology wise i i kind of the film kept me entertained 
Bosnan was Bond from the moment for, for scene. Completely, he's a great actor. Dialogue suffered a bit with the force quips. Some were good, some a bit clunky. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quite like the uh, the line about pulling rank. Uh, <laughs> but there's, there, there are others that are a bit forced, especially when it comes out of the helicopter and sort of mutters about frequent flyer mileage. Yeah. It felt a bit a bit forced. But it does have the best Q scene I've seen. I thought that was glorious. The Q scene <laughs> is is wonderful. There's so many gags in that. There's a real warmth to the to the interplay between... Yeah, it's like five minutes of just constant uh, stuff in the background. Just, just the bit at the end where the guy gets carted off and the... <laughs> That, that, yeah, that, that was that was funny back in 1905, and it's it's still hilarious today. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyable. No, I think that the film suffered a bit with it being mostly in a grey and oppressive Russia. It's like I want my Bond to be a bit more pretty and escapist. There was a bit of Monte Carlo at the beginning, yeah, and Cuba at the start, end. It's the like end, but... lots of machine guns, lots of shouting, screaming, and yeah, lots of lots of cold, cold, drab, dark, yeah, dark scenery. The the final sequence at the observatory I'd not seen. Sorry, the radar dish, but in reality that was an observatory. In Puerto Rico, which, yeah, yeah. if you go on YouTube, there's some footage of that collapsing. Yeah, I think at the end of 2020, it more or less collapsed under its own weight. And weirdly, it's sort of, you've got real life imitating <laughs> art in that that, that dish mm. collapses on itself. It almost recreates the end of, yeah. of Golden Eye. Otherwise, that would be like the ultimate Bond location to visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks a fantastic location. So overall, I probably enjoyed it more than you did, but there was maybe a bit of nostalgia for me, whereas, whereas you sort of came to, came to it afresh. Yeah, I'll probably watch the other ones on DVD, Blu-ray at home rather than... I'm not quite, quite sort of... Uh, not a convert to the Bosnian. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that we did enjoy was the fact that we saw it in Liverpool and there was, of course, a, a famous Liverpoolian in the movie, uh, Eunice Hutart, off oh, of yes. Gladiators, uh, doubling for Xenia on a top. Who was in, brilliant, yes. In a couple of scenes. And she gets to give Bond a bit of a kick in. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, uh, the, the thing we can take from the movie is that you don't mess with a scouse bird. Oh, Eunice, if you listen to this... If we're in Liverpool, we'll buy you a pint one day. Yeah. Appears we share the same passions. Three, anyway. I can't do motoring and uh, baccarat. Wheat for la banque. Seven, Madame wins. I hope the third is where your real talent lies. One rises to meet a challenge. Enjoy it while it lasts. The very words I live by. And what words do you live by? The trick is to quit while you're still a kid. That's one trick I've never learned. Perhaps you'll show me how it's done. Vodka martini. Shaken, not stirred. And for you? The same. How do you take it? Straight up, with a twist. 
Thank you, Mr. The name's Bond. James Bond. Hi, Paul Wallace here. Goldeneye. Well, I managed to catch this on Saturday. Very excited for this one. I remember there'd been quite a hiatus uh, between movies with all the legal wrangles that were going on. And um, when the new Bond was announced, uh, although I was disappointed that Timothy Dalton wasn't going to return, um, I was excited for another new Bond to be coming our way. When Piers Brosnan was announced, oh, I was beside myself. You know, they say some actors were born for a role, you know, like Jack Nicholson with the Joker. You know, people say he was born to play that part. Piers Brosnan was born to play James Bond. I, I, I believe he was offered the part at the time of uh, Living Daylights, I think, uh, but he couldn't do it due to um, contract uh, things with Remington Steel, I believe. Uh, the Bond experts will, will know that, if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant. He got announced and they couldn't wait to get the publicity shots out. Um, he had a beard at the time, I believe. He had a beard and uh, must have been, had it for another movie or something. But they were so desperate, they had him with his beard, um, with the tuxedo, holding the uh, PPK. And um, those were going out very early. I was so excited, so excited. And it was a major event movie for me. When the movie finally came out, I couldn't wait to go and see it. It absolutely blew me away. The opening pre-credit sequence, that is the greatest Bond pre-credit sequence ever. Tell me a better one. That one will trump every single one that has ever been. It's just the damn at the start. I remember seeing it on the big screen and then you see him legging it across the top. Obviously a stuntman, but you know, I was, I was with it. I was a young man at the time. I believed everything I was looking at. And then the motorbike uh, over the side of the cliff and fly, free falling down to the plane and catching it just right at the last minute there. You know, it was, it was so OTT, but so gloriously Bond. And um, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was strange looking back now that they cast Jodon Baker in this one as a totally different character. He just played a bad guy, the film before the last one. I guess they just hoped everyone would forget. But he's great in that film. He's really good in it. Robbie Coltrane is brilliant. Sean Bean, I didn't see that twist come in when I was a youngster. You know, Sean Bean had done his TV stuff. He was kind of famous, the, the sharp thing. And um, after doing Patriot Games, I believe, I can't remember if that was uh, around the same time, but he seemed to be cast in a lot of uh, bad guy roles. And um, that one certainly paved the way for it. Absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The action all the way through. I loved the scene with the tank. I mean, oh, you know, Bond in a tank. I mean, what's not to love? I absolutely loved it. My only gripe with it is the change of the score. The soundtrack by Eric Serra. I mean, he did brilliant work with Luke Besson and uh, Leon and stuff like that. Amazing composer, beautiful sound. But as a kid, I wasn't really tuned into to what I know now. And I remember the gun barrel at the start, which I would always wait for and love on the Bond films. Couldn't wait to see Brosnan uh, walk along that and turn around and fire the gun. And I was waiting for the da 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 There was just, he come walking along and there was this music like, bong, 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 bong. And I thought, what's this? You know, it just, it felt really weird. It was really different. And there's a lack of the Bond theme throughout the movie. There's only the one scene, I believe, with the tank, where you actually hear the and the rest of the film doesn't have that Bond theme going through it at all. But it's a small gripe. Obviously, they wanted to uh, 
do something different and bring something fresh to it. And it remains Brosnan's best film, without a doubt. Um, the others that followed were fine. Die Another Day was obviously... Uh, it wasn't very good, was it? Let's all be honest. And it got a bit ridiculous then. You got John Cleese came in as R and uh, it went very slapstick and a bit Monty Python and the gadgets got a little bit ridiculous with invisible cars and things like that. And it's a shame that uh, Brosnan bowed out. Well, he didn't bow out. I think it just came to an end for him. I don't even think he was aware that his time had ended as Bond. And it's just a shame that uh, Die Another Day was the last one for him. But you know, four Bond movies, perfectly acceptable. Goldeneye, that's gotta be in the top five Bond films of anyone's uh, list. It has to be. And Brosnan, like I said before, for me, the perfect Bond, the greatest Bond. Not the greatest films, maybe. Maybe not even the greatest storylines, but as a Bond character, he absolutely nailed it. I thought he was superb. Seeing Goldeneye on the big screen again, like that, was it just emerged me in that that whole Bond feeling I had when I was a kid. Well, I say a kid, I think I was a little bit older then. But, you know, it, it was just one of those films that just took me right back and I loved every second of it. Goldeneye, I think, is one definitely to catch on the big screen if you can. Hello there, Chris Caulfield in uh, Pendle. Went to the audience cinema last night at Rochdale. Decided to make a change of it. Fortunately, they still show the same adverts about a woman who wants to buy a dress from Paris. Also about uh, school kids that uh, run really and want to sing and dance everywhere. Odin, when you say that those cinema adverts are, are tailored for the film you're going to watch, Goldeneye, about 33 years ago I came out of the cinema having watched Licence to Kill, couldn't wait to watch the next Bond film, and so I was allowed to wait six years. In that time, my favourite Bond, Timothy Dalton, had dropped away. Decided not to do any more. And Pierce Brosnan waiting in the wings stepped in. Goldeneye at the time. This is the first time I went to the cinema to watch it. I've watched it numerous times at home, obviously. Um, at the time, I, I just couldn't wait to see a James Bond film again. And watched it two night, two times in a row in the same night at the cinema. Uh, I've watched it repeatedly and repeatedly. And it's a great intro film to the people. Young kids have, have introduced Job into this film and that was the way to do it. It starts brilliantly. Sean Bean is awesome. It's obvious that throughout this film, Mission Impossible 2 makes tons from this. Basically, Dugger Scott is a complete clone of Sean Bean's character. Straight after the uh, wonderful Tina Turner opening music, the Aston Martin Ferrari chase is basically ripped off a film with a motorcycle chase in MI2. Anyway, moving along, it just looks good. It's wonderful to have uh, James Bond back. Pierce Brosnan does make it his own. My dad seems to think uh, Brosnan is a bit of a clone made up of the parts of uh, Roger Moore and Sean Connery and sometimes you can see that. It's like he was made for this role to be honest. I know people don't like it and I have some friends who don't like Pierce Brosnan in this but I just, it, it just glides through this role. It's like he's made for it. It's fantastic in it. There's no Timothy Dalton, no Roger Moore, and his own, but he's, he's, he's a good, you know, fourth. Characters in it, like I said, Sean Bean, I think he's lovely. Would have been great where his Yorkshire accent cuts, slips in a couple of times. I think they should have just run with that instead of the very British accent. But never mind. I think Isabella Scrupo is a great secondary lead. Tomika Jansen is fantastic. Zenya on top. All the way through the film, I was trying to think, who is it that she's reminding me of all the time? Who, who, which character gets off on death all the time? I could only just think of, of Matisha Adams. Anybody else out there that uh, can think of somebody else, let me know, please, uh, at the Scorfi on Twitter. It's doing my head in. She's reminding me so much of somebody. Anyway, moving on. 
Derek Medding's miniature work is sublime. It's absolutely cracking. I'm a little disappointed to go full full on with it at the end, especially after six years previously with the tanker truck scene and License to Kill. But it does look really good. It is ph- phenomenal what you can do with miniatures. They are really good. Introduction of uh, Judy Dench. I was so worried watching this that when she came into uh, sneaking up on uh, on Tanner, uh, calling the evil queen at numbers and she turned around I was dreading she was going to go if I want sarcasm I'll have to ask the uh, seven women who are doing my home insurance for uh, for their advice because I've seen that advert so many times it was really 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 worrying me but she was you know great it was just a joy to watch this film again not everyone's favourite but I enjoy GoldenEye I think it's a great start to film for some people it looked good there were a lot of people who laughed throughout the film uh, in the cinema and uh, Move on to Tomorrow Never Dies. I think Brosnan really then starts getting his feet proper into the boots. But to be fair, he looks bloody good in that, that tuxedo when he's in it. He looks good. Really good. Anyway, waffling now. Moving on. Thank you very much for the Really Double O Seven podcast for letting me just post my ramblings. And everybody else, I hope everyone's enjoying watching all these films again. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, how you doing? My name's Rob. So, yeah, like a lot of people, I went to watch GoldenEye this last weekend. I watched it in Manchester in the Printworks, which is nice because they've uh, lately they've done it out with new uh, comfy chairs and it's got a fantastic sound system in there. I managed to take my other half along to watch it, so uh, she does like the film, but I did have to, have to kind of persuade her a little bit to go to it. But she does love Sean Bean and she, this is one of her top Bond films, uh, which is cool, so she did enjoy it as well. And uh, I, I've always loved this film. It's easily top five for me. It always has been. I think Sean Bean is a fantastic villain and I just love the whole story of the film with uh, a former double O agent going against Bond which is uh, is always good and it works well the Bond girls are fantastic I mean I love uh, Xenia and Natalia it's a tough choice between those two I think I'd, I'd go with Natalia as the one I like best if I was getting uh, cosy with Xenia I think I'd be a bit too scared to enjoy it to be honest um, but Famke's great as well so yeah lovely Bond girls and uh, all the buddies the other buddies are good as well all the other parts in there I do love the stuff between uh, Defence Minister Mishkin when he captures Bond I think the uh, you know he's having that little bit of uh, banter with him is good yeah I just love all the Cold War stuff that's involved with this film as well I just think it kind of uh, just throws back to some of the stuff that led led up to the end of the 90s which is which is nice to see and it's it's, it's, a, it's a good Bond theme to it because of that as well you know it works in its favour and I love the locations as well the locations are good I always feel a little bit sad they didn't use Pinewood for this one but um, I just believe that's uh, I don't know why that was but uh, I think there were some things that meant it wasn't available maybe something like that so I know a lot of it was they used uh, Leavesden Studios I think which yeah they still made a fantastic job of it and I know they used a lot of the uh, the usual guys that, that work on the film I'm not that massive fan of the song to be honest it's it's good obviously Tina Turner's uh, a good singer but it just doesn't particularly do it for me this song it's just uh, it works with the film but it's just uh, it's okay it's not one of my top songs I must admit yeah super film I think it flows well there's not any bits where it seems to dip at all there's no dipping quality I absolutely love seeing Joe Don Baker in it I'm always looking forward to seeing him when he pops on the screen I know he's worked with Martin Campbell before in uh, Edge of Darkness so it's nice that he kept him in mind and he must have mentioned him I'm sure for the, uh, the part of Jack Wade and uh, he actually does quite a lot in this film so it's good to see him at the end as well yeah I just love the whole thing it's a superb film and uh, I know it's in a lot of people's top charts including mine and I think it's number one for a lot of people as well yeah if you went to see it I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did as well 
and on to Tomorrow Never Dies next Tuesday which I'm looking forward to as well because I also saw that one in the cinema quite a number of years ago in the late 90s thanks for having me and uh, thanks for listening if you want to follow me on Twitter my name is The Northerner Who Loved Me that's my handle on Twitter and I love being part of the Bond Twitter community and I'm sure you do too thanks for listening see you later bye right I have a very special guest with me coming all the way from Memphis Tennessee and he is probably, I think, the biggest Pierce Brosnan fan in the world, I reckon. Yes, the I biggest am. Pierce Brosnan. Well, you, you can hear him. It's uh, Lorenzo Granger. So, good afternoon, Lorenzo. Great to have uh, you. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> so, Lorenzo, what? how did you first get into James Bond? Was it through Pierce Brosnan? Yes. Uh, my first experience of it was the video game uh, GoldenEye on the 64, uh, one of my uh, favorite video games. And... Uh, I remember uh, playing that game a lot as a kid, and I do like this a lot, and I do like how did, how did I know about the movie. It was in the Bunker 2 level, when you your object, you had to uh, get like the videotape of the movie, and it had and it had down the options, and I said, wow, is, it, is this based off a movie? And I remember uh, going to Blockbuster Videos with my step with my stepdaddy, and uh we read the Golden Eye on the VHS, and uh, I watched that movie a bunch of times, and took it. Uh, we watched it a million times, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so did we. <laughs> so, what what is it about Pierce Brosnan you love as James Bond? Um, man, Pierce Brosnan to me, he's one of the most believable, awesome actors that James Bond. Uh, it just he he's just super cool. I think the guy very super cool charm. He kind of, I say, he he kind of like Roger Moore. He 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 got yeah, that yeah. cool charm, likable ability like Roger Moore. That you come, you watch him in interviews, the way he carries himself. He just uh, he's a cool he's a cool dude. Brilliant. So you saw Goldeneye. What what was it about Goldeneye that you loved as a film? It just blew me away as a movie uh, when I watched it for the first time. It just blew me away. It told me what the James Bond uh, world going to, uh, how these movies are. And I just became an obsessed fan. And uh, over, the, over my childhood, I pl- got like the video game based off his movies. Every movie he came out with, I got like video game based off his movies, to be honest. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? it- that era of James Bond was like a film one year and then there was a video game the next year. There was something all the time. Yes. You, compared you, to you, 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 every two years. years. I think it was like every two yeah. years. And I said, wow, that was just amazing. Like, every time a new Bond game come out and we get like a movie, he's going like a break or something like that. Yeah, but man, uh, GoldenEye is just a really great movie. Over years, I used, as a kid to a teenager, I was over-obsessed with that movie a lot. I still love it to this day, but the world is not enough to become one of my important favorites in the series <laughs> yeah yeah we know that <laughs> we know that very well Lorenzo, yeah <laughs> but in terms of goldeneye what do you think about uh, like natalia and xenia fantastic leading ladies fantastic characters uh great sidekicks and great uh uh henchmen of uh, the female of uh, protagonists i would say of uh, but patel is uh Fanka jansen great character and uh, did you know when you watched it that uh, Trevelyan would be the baddie? Because we didn't know when we uh, saw it at the cinema. I, I played the video game first. <laughs> the guy oh, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tell you every day when you get to that statue park level. Oh, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so possible. Oh, but when I saw it, it didn't surprise me. I mean, I, I was that. Uh, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, was, I, was yeah. enjoy, I was just enjoying the ride when I was watching it. <laughs> 
Well, a bit like World is Not Enough, that you know, you have a character who you think is is a good person, and then I'm glad you brought that up because I played the video game of the World on the first on the PlayStation. I, I was kind of surprised they had a female villain. I did not know that because I played the game yeah. first before I seen the movie, and I was saying, oh, that's very interesting. It is. It's different, and that's the first time, first and only time, I think we've had a. A main villain that's a woman, and I wonder whether the next Bond will do something like that. I hope so. I've been wishing them to go back to that direction of having a female main yeah. villain in uh, take over the movie. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zenia's a very good buddy. I think Zenia is one of the more memorable henchwomen. Yes, uh, fantastic movie. performance. Uh, she's, I carried a little bit over the top, insane, entertaining. She crushes men with her thighs, and it's just so over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think women are like that in real life, Lorenzo. Not not any I've met, anyway. I got I got scarf as a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. Yeah, we became men when we watched that. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> in terms of the action, there's, there's some great action scenes. There's the pre-title oh, yeah, sequence, the pre sequence with the uh, yeah. him jump, him jumping off the dam in Switzerland, and uh, yeah. tr uh 006 and then blowing up the factory machine. So it's the second level in the video game. Where it's kind of like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him is him escaping from chasing the plane and jumping off the cliff to chase the plane. It's one of the most amazing action packed pre-title sequence in the series. I would say I love that pre-title sequence. <laughs> it is Right. It says Bond is back, doesn't it? And Bond's oh, better than wow, ever. Yeah, they tell you yes, Bond is back, and uh, you you in an interesting uh universe, I would say. <laughs> so was it the first Bond film you saw? Then? Yes, my first. Well, son, well, I well. ran it on home video. That was my first one. One and second was Tomorrow Never Dies and World Gone Up. Uh, later on, read read all his movies on home video. To be honest, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've gone back to all the Roger and Sean ones. When I became that. a teenager, uh, really I like, I miss back in the day where they could play these movies on holidays, like on holiday seasons, like uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, they play like these yeah. fun movie marathons, and they'd be on TV and they'd be awesome to watch. I've grown to like the Roger Moore films a lot over my, over my 10 year of being a fan, because that <laughs> man, I, I love his one movie because Roger Moore come off so likable and charming. His, the way he portrays Bond in his movies is just entertainment fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. All of his films, you could just throw them on and you, you can just oh, relax. Yes. They are uh, larger in light movies. His movies are larger in life. Good evening, Money Penny. Good evening, James. And we'll meet you in the Situation Room. I'm to take you straight in. Mm. I've never seen you after hours, Money Penny. Lovely. Thank you, James. Out on some kind of professional assignment, dressing the kill. You know you'll find this crushing, 007. When I don't sit at home every night praying for some international incident, so I can run down here all dressed up to impress James Bond. I was on a date, if you must know, with a gentleman. We went to the theatre together. Oh, money, Penny, I'm devastated. What would I ever do without you? As far as I can remember, James, you've never had me. Hope springs eternal. You know, this sort of behaviour could qualify as sexual harassment. Really? What's the penalty for that? Someday you have to make good on your innuendos. After you, Money Penny. No, I insist. You first. 
Hi, it's Philip from Cinecompass and on the 28th December 1995 at 007 o'clock I saw GoldenEye at my local hometown cinema. I was so excited since Pierce Brosnan had been announced in 1994. I was only looking forward to this film. Nothing else mattered. A German cinema magazine came with a VHS tape at the time that included the trailer and I must have watched it a hundred times. I loved that trailer so much and I was really expecting this to be the greatest film ever. And then came the big night and I was disappointed. Although it took me some time to even admit that to myself and my best friend who's also a Bond fan and who, as it turned out, also didn't like GoldenEye. We watched it three times in the cinema back then. It just didn't feel like a proper James Bond film, which of course is a feeling you wouldn't have if that was your first Bond film. But it lacked the Bond atmosphere for me. Most of all, that's because of the music, of course. Now, I have to say I'm a big fan of Eric Serra. I love his music for Subway, The Big Blue, Leon the Professional or The Fifth Element. But it does not work for Bond. I think most people see it the same. And there's, of course, a reason why the tank chase has different music. In other scenes, then, I find it too melancholic when it should have been more smooth and cool in the casino, for instance. But that's fine. I'm still not too keen on the Golden Eye score, but I kind of got used to it. By the way, the gun barrel is not even included on the soundtrack album I noticed the other night. For a long time, GoldenEye was last in my James Bond ranking. I know many Bond fans will be shocked now, but I really wanted to like it. It just didn't happen. Die Another Day took over that place, though, and I seriously don't know where I would place GoldenEye now, but I have come to like it, so you can relax. After 27 years, I saw the film on the big screen again this week, and I really, really enjoyed it. One scene that bothered me as a teenager is now among my favorites, actually. That's when M calls Bond a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. What I still don't like, however, is Moneypenny accusing Bond of sexual harassment. I think that's a bit much and the complete opposite of what the relationship between Bond and Moneypenny is. It's a really awkward moment in the film. I also think they exaggerated a bit with a constant talk about James Bond cliches, the women, the martinis, for England, James. Alec does a lot of that. And it seems almost as if they were apologizing for previous films, which... I always found a bit strange. I do love the pre-title sequence, of course. I love General Urumov, who should have been the main villain, in my opinion. The helicopter scene with the ejector seat and the whole tank chase, of course, and the train. Those are great scenes. Fantastic, really. The showdown is also quite fun, a beautiful location. Although I do prefer it when Bond does not just shoot everybody and fights his way out, but when he comes up with an original idea to win. The Sivanaya scene without James Bond is way too long for my taste. All the banter between Natalia and Boris is just too much. But again, I got used to that as well. Natalia, by the way, is a nice Bond girl, but her character change is a bit too drastic. From the frightened, suffering girl to someone who can use a gun and play it cool, that's a bit too much and not really believable. I also don't get why she tells Bond that he's so cold when he really isn't. In none of his films is Pierce Brosnan cold. In each film he gets very emotional, makes a sad face at some point with Natalia, with Paris, with Elektra and with drinks. And let's remember none of them is a Tracy, a Vespa or a Madeline. The BMW is surely the biggest James Bond scam ever. That was a scene from the trailer I was looking forward to so much. In the trailer you see the plane flying over the BMW and I expected a big action scene, not just a vehicle swap, especially after Q explained all the weapons. This was a major blow to me. I was really, really disappointed. 
But this time, this week, all these things didn't matter so much because maybe I got used to them, maybe because I was getting a bit nostalgic, but also because I managed to enjoy the great parts of GoldenEye and I really did enjoy them. So it has a fantastic cast. It has a great story, actually one of the best stories in, in all the Bond movies, I think, with the satellites and everything. It's quite smart and a, a cool post-Cold War story. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention is, of course, the theme song by Tina Turner. That is just fantastic. I remember listening to it on the radio when it premiered on German radio and I've loved it ever since. And I really like how after the pre-title sequence the explosion goes into the, the gun barrel and then at the same time the song starts. It's a brilliant start into a credit sequence of a Bond film. So will GoldenEye go up in my ranking? Probably not much, but a lower ranked Bond film is still a great film for me. I do, however, have the feeling that I will speak much more enthusiastic about Tomorrow Never Dies next week. All right, good evening, folks. This is round 17 of our 60th Bond marathon. I'm Kevin Brown with my esteemed colleagues. Bob Foster. And Chris Johnson. And we've just finished GoldenEye. Dun, 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 dun. At the Odeon Derby. Mm. Thoughts, gents? Excellent as usual and mm. absolutely... Well, starting from the very beginning, that different Daniel Kleinman gun barrel, which really brings oh. it up to date. Mm. It's really good. The, the, the beginning and the end of the pre-titles is concertina between two gun barrels. One of the best pre-titles, one of the best opening shots mm. of the entire series for me. The, the, the top of the dam, or looking up at the dam from where the, uh, the aeroplane goes over and that uh, great introduction to, with, with Pierce as 007. It's a fantastic stunt. Chris? I got very nostalgic watching this because mm. it was the first one I saw at the cinema. Um, and like Bob says, I think it stood the test of time brilliantly. Um, not only are some of the scenes like, I think some of the most memorable in the whole 60 years worth of films, I think that... Rosnan does a great job of bridging the like the tougher elements, like when he rabbit punches Zenya in the back of the neck, yes, yes. Part through to the. I wouldn't say he's as comical as Roger Moore, but he does tend to deliver the one-liners quite nicely. Mm. Brilliant ensemble cast as well. I think that this is one of the few films where you've got great casting across the board there's not really any weak links no there isn't maybe a few weak Russian accents maybe but apart from Boris um, yeah brilliant forgivable <laughs> and uh, amazing Peter Lamont sets yes yes they um, are all the more amazing when you consider that they took the old abandoned Rolls Royce factory turned it into a brand new studio purely for the film and also, you can see why they paid tribute to David Middens um, oh, before he passed yes. away during the making film because up on the big screen, those model shots are absolutely amazing. You would not, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Mm. Yeah, I think you were me, Bob, for the first time. You said that was a miniature of Seven yes. I, haven't Yes. I never even tweaked. Yeah, yeah. That's a small gap in my bond. Yeah, and they, and, and they mix two if not three different shots, because when you, you see the, the, the huskies mm. going along the back, that's a real shot, and obviously they put that behind the model. Mm. And then there's, there's uh, Alan Cummings, uh, Boris, mm. coming out the door yeah. with the model behind him. Yes. 
It's all fake yeah. uh, perspective. The genius of the late great Derek Meddings, yeah. to which this film was obviously uh, yeah, dedicated. Greatly dedicated. Yeah. Um, appropriately dedicated. Uh, I've, I've, I've always liked uh, Eric Serra's music. Yes. But I'm glad that he didn't do any more. I completely second that. And as I was speaking to Kieran before, it would have been very interesting to have heard obviously John Barry but this yep. this has gone way past John Barry now but yeah. if David Arnold had done the soundtracks one film earlier what Golden Eye would have been like with it's, David Arnold doing his first one it's it, a debatable topic yeah it, it, it'd be nice um, to compare the two films with his music and then obviously with Sarah's well to sandwich these two topics oh god the opening scene talk about superb yeah. um I think it's one of the best opening titles, along with Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes. Brosnan has some very strong opening titles. In fact, I like all of them. Yeah. Um, well, this is it's Daniel Kleinman, isn't it? Well, exactly. He started with the video for Licence to Kill, mm. and then they invited him back, obviously, to do mm. the gun barrels and the titles of, of, of all, all... Well, right up to Quantum, wasn't it? Well, I said to you before, Bob, I said, for me, the scene I'm most looking forward to is... That scene at the end of the pre-title, where the plane travels in front yeah. of the building, Explosion. explosions, boof, and dum, 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 yeah. dum. and that for me was just it goosebumps, yeah. and the whole gun barrel as well. Yeah. I said to you again, for me, they are my favourite gun barrels. Yeah, definitely. And sadly, where did it all go so wrong with Craig? Mm. Um, I, I do, <laughs> Don't get me started. I do, I do sincerely hope, <laughs> seriously, with the next Bond, whoever yes, it may it, be, back, they go back, back to, to that normal. simplicity, that consistency, yeah. because they are perfect. Less they is are. more. The only thing I will criticise, we'll get to this with Die Another Day, the bullet maybe was a step too far, but for me, yeah. they, 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 they hit the nail on the head. Yeah. They're yeah, bang on, absolutely. pardon the pun. But I never realised the opening and the closing gun barrels. So yeah, so that was a good yes, thing. Yes, I, I love the shoot going down the gun barrel into, into, the, into the car chase. A brilliant car chase. Well, it's like I said to you, for me, they nailed it yeah. with this one. I said to you afterwards, didn't I, Bob? One of the best, along with Casino, the best introductory Bond films of yes, them all. Yes, definitely. And maybe that's the genius of Martin Campbell. Mm. So, you never know, maybe for yeah. Bond 26. It, but... it, would, be, it would be nice. It, mm. It's certainly on everybody's uh, list to have Martin Campbell back for one more. It would be very good. Um, but no, I, I thoroughly enjoy this, especially Absolutely. the Tank Chase, St Petersburg. Yes, yes. Again, just to see it on the big screen. Everything is magnified. It is. Any new bits, gents, for me... I noticed a few extra musical cues, not so much musical, but more sound cues. Yes. So when they're walking yeah. to the yacht, the manticore, you can hear the crowd a lot more yeah. on the yeah. pier and in the harbour. And it was, it was, it stood out to me that. And um, and also, this was an interesting tidbit on the door that closes when he pushes all the filing cabinets over. Mm -hmm. It says seventeen on it. Whether that was oh, a nod, yeah. a nod yeah. to the yeah. uh, to the instalment of yes. this film, then who knows? But. Um, any new bits for you guys? Um, one thing I noticed was that uh, when Ty has that line about, oh my life, I've dreamed of coming here when they're in the Caribbean, mm. she's got pictures of it on her computer, like a little postcard. And oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. So again, that just little things like that, but in the grand scheme of things, just making it all the more believable. I must say one thing, when you think that this is the first time that we had the DB5 in a film since Thunderball. Mm. Yeah. It was so, I can remember, especially when I first saw the film, thinking how great it was to see 
an Aston Martin mm. chase without back projection. The fact, yes, that, yes, that's true. Running. Yeah, and the scenes where you see Famke laughing and like flicking her hair back, and the fact you could see it was. But the, obviously, I don't believe they actually did all the driving. No, they didn't. No, the so, the I mean, John, oh no, but the where where she spins round. That's that. I know that's a, a, a stuntman with a wig, yeah. but I don't. I don't know the name of him. John. John will definitely know. It, it was quite nice to see an Aston involved, in which it was just driven just brilliantly pure yeah, rather, rather than relying on the gadgets. Yeah. Yeah. And again, what I loved about the Z3, although it was underused in the film, there isn't much of a, oh, pay attention 007. Mm. It's a bit like the Aston Martin V8. It's just thrown straight in, yeah. and although we don't get to see what it's capable of, it's just thrust into the action and the viewers see for themselves mm. as the film unfolds. I must say, the Q scene, it's looking very pedestrian now, as, as I, again, as yeah. I was pointed out to Kieran, you can actually see Desmond Llewellyn looking past Brosnan. Oh, Obviously, okay. his lines were, were were put on a board behind him, and you could see his eyes flicking. It's a shame, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. we, we all love dear Desmond. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but do you think do you think the film would have benefited? A controversial question: Would it have benefited from a recast, as they did with Ben Whishaw in Skyfall? Uh, it's hard to tell because they literally recast everybody yeah. else for this film. Yes, but they kept Desmond. Maybe that was the one link to the possibly so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say mm. until you saw who they would have picked. But uh, I mean, obviously, Judy Dench was it was a very severe beginning to her tenure as M. I mean, she does soften. Uh, well, she softens with with both actors, doesn't she? It's interesting. I much prefer. M's tenure with Brosnan than I do with Craig's yeah. and Judy Dench. I think it's, I love her transition, my favourite one being obviously the next film, yeah. uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I think her interpretation in that film is spot on. She becomes quite, she's quite hard to begin with, then she becomes softer yeah. throughout the next two and then Die Another Day she becomes, well, she's almost a bookend of yeah. her initial... Because of course in uh, The World Is Not Enough she, she becomes the victim, doesn't she? Mm. So it's very interesting to see that character, and of course it brings in a whole new debate, which we can always get to next time. Are they two different M's played by Judy within the context of the Bond universe? Mm. Or is it just one from film to it's film? Hard from to to it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I would say one, because there was only one portrait of her in No Time to Die. So if she'd have been Good two, point. there could have been a couple. Good yeah, point. yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't notice anything new. As I, as I was saying to the to the guys just before, it, they are be, they are getting now to be the more modern bonds, mm. and obviously we've seen them not that long ago compared to the sixties and seventies bonds. And mm. I, I didn't notice anything more. Didn't notice any more instruments like I have yeah. in the past well, in the older films. It's funny what you pointed out to me in the film. I think the only thing that dates this film is obviously the technology, i.e. Yes. the computers. The computers that um, she orders with me. Yeah, which the, is the same with Casino. With, with the tw obviously. 24 meg, meg hard drives. Oh, <laughs> they did fit about six letters on there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, I think that's the only thing that yeah, dates yes. But, but this, this is, I feel, there is a distinct line between this and Licence to Kill. Yeah. This is, the, for me, the first modern Bond yes. film. And you know what? Shout out to Piers. Let the haters hate, but I think Pierce is fantastic. Oh, he is. And he you is. know, when, when he walks through that casino at the beginning before he sits down to play Baccarat, mm -hmm. honestly, 
he walks in like he owns the place, yeah. like Daniel does in Casino. Yeah. Like, and like Lazenby does in exactly. Casino. And trust, and honestly, anyone who says Pierce is not a good Bond, I, 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 I will disagree with that. Every no, Bond was he right is, for their time. He is a good, he is a good, they just let him down a little bit. Well, sadly, he died another day I was going to say, it wasn't the, it wasn't, it wasn't the finest hour to his tenure. No, I would say. As, as, um, as we said, we'll get on to that later well, date. But again, it's, it's, it boils down to scripts, doesn't it? At yeah, the end of the day, yeah. you, know, you can't polish. Um, you know what that is, folks. But anyway, so yeah, you can only work with what you've got. Yeah. The thing I liked about watching it tonight mm. was <laughs> you mentioned like the sounds and everything. I can't really sit and listen to the Golden Eye soundtrack the same way I can a lot of John Barry ones yeah. and the David Arnold ones mm. because it's more how can I put it more atmospheric yes noise it is it is than mm. a melodic soundtrack of music yeah they, they, I think the love theme mm. was uh, was more melodic but yeah. the I, I do I do like the the drum based yeah. music but like you say you can't listen to it as easy as certainly any of the John yeah. Barry uh, soundtracks, or as you say, uh, David Arnold's. Mm. Well, it's funny, there were certain cues in that film that I adore. Mm. Run, Shoot, Jump is my absolute yeah. favourite. Yeah. That is superb, and I can listen to that over and over again, but yeah. it's it's incredibly short and sweet, but mm. yeah. it's um, it's certainly more atmospheric when listened within the context of the yeah. film. Yeah. And that um, goes back to the whole debate, how do you judge a soundtrack? Is it how well it goes with the action on the film, or how good it is? It's a standalone. Yeah, listening to it I mean very good point I must say the chase that did hit me on the big screen again this time was the tank chase mm. it was it's it's tremendous fa fabulous fabulous chase tremendous and the great thing about it is it's not only very dramatic very well done but again it's got the bits of humour in it like, yeah. Oh, yeah like the um, horse on the back of it yes like, yeah Brosnan's doing his infamous the, tie Yeah, the, yes. the tie, yeah. And, and, and him noticing something's coming towards him, the look of shock on his face, and then he ducks down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he still, and when he goes through, when he goes through the tunnel, he doesn't shut the hatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It could all come That's through. It. And, and that, it actually uh, looks a bit like Batman. His, the, the, his eyes light up. Yes. It shows, it shows a shaft of light on his eyes. I also, <clears> one of the other things I love about that chase is the fact that you know it was done for real and again fair pay to Peter Lamont the fact that that was all done a few miles outside of London yes mm. yes yeah. exactly. watching it you would not know it is amazing this the sets the detail of it all yeah and whether it's Russia there whether you've got um Peterborough mm. St Petersburg yeah. for the train tracks and the scenes that were filmed there well, the question you've got amazing. to ask yourself is, if you'd not been told that was Pinewood, would you have still felt that it was Russia? And I absolutely would have. Mm. You know, I, it would never have crossed my mind. No. Oh, is that a soundstage? Absolutely not. No. Um, it's the beauty of Bond. It's, mm. it's done so well. The more these films progress, you know, the better the effects and the miniatures. So, well, one thing that, 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 that one thing that I was surprised by was uh, obviously I keep looking for him in every film. Michael G. Wilson's cameo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, they, they, they played the camera on him quite a lot actually. They do actually, yeah. For saying how uh, you've got you've really got to hunt for him in some of the some films. Of them, yeah. I mean, even in Licence to Kill, it's only his voiceover at the beginning of the film. Cool. Well, I think the next film is probably his biggest cameo, isn't it? Yes. Because obviously yeah, he, he speaks. Even, even has a line. Yes, he speaks. So. 
Well, the next film, for me, yes. is the best Brosnan instalment, and that might be controversial to some people, yeah. but I am very much looking forward yes. to the next one, because I've never seen it on the big screen before, mm -hmm. and if it was as good as this one, we are in for an absolute treat. Yeah, another, another fabulous... Uh, beginning to it as well absolutely but let's Pretty not get started yes. on yeah, we'll surrender go. we will discuss that yes. next week crikey i know this is gonna cause a great stir and shake within a, a lot of the bond fans but um that's for next week anyway yep okay but no thoroughly enjoyed this yeah, one absolutely. go and see it if you can you will not be disappointed and you will certainly be shaken and stirred <laughs> so okay. yes we will see you next time yep. folks bye thank you bye hello this is gary k been to see Goldeneye at the Odeon in Bath and um, it's the first time I've seen the film on the big screen since its original release in 1995 when I saw it a few times at the cinema and very much enjoyed it then. Seeing it again on the big screen, one of the things that really stands out is one of the, um, the great parts of the film is Daniel Kleiman's title sequence which he does a great job of put stamping his own identity on the titles that Morris Binder for so many years had done such an incredible job with and set that style and um, for his very first James Bond film I thought Daniel Kleiman did an excellent job and it was wonderful seeing bits of detail that you can't spot so easily on a television screen at home of course, the 4K restorations probably helped to bring out the detail even more. Love the um, Bono and Edge song that uh, Tina Turner sings, the title song. That sounded absolutely superb through the cinema sound system. Also enjoyed that um, incredible damn stunt um, in the pre-credit sequence at the beginning of the film, the pre-title sequence, that looked superb. I remember that looking brilliant on its original 1995 release. Certainly one of the highlights of the film. And um, talking of highlights in the film, thought Famke Janssen as Zeni Onatop is absolutely superb. One of my favourites of uh, hench people in the entire Bond series. I would say pretty much up there with Fiona Volpe and Thunderball. Um, certainly one of the um, strongest um, performances in Goldeneye. For his first film as Bond, Pierce Brosnan does his best with the, um, with the script that he's given. Um, I didn't engage with the character, his interpretation of the character, as much as I did with Timothy Dalton in the previous two films. Timothy Dalton, of course, had that incredible intensity to his performance, and seeing it, those two films, so recently, rather than having the, the six-year gap that there originally was, I, didn't find, I found that I didn't enjoy the performance quite as much as I did when I originally saw it, but... Um, Pierce obviously tried to do it his own way. Uh, he tried to follow in the footsteps of Roger Moore by playing a little bit more light-hearted than his predecessor. Still an enjoyable performance, and I do remember that film on film, he gets, he gets better and better each time. It's just a shame that for me, at least, I know that there are many, many Brosnan Bond fans out there. I just feel that for the success of films... He was let down a little by the quality of some of the scripts, shall we say. I do feel, however, that Pierce, film on film, really did try his best in the role and he never lost his enthusiasm as well for um, trying to entertain the audience. 
That said, however, it is the quality of the scripts that I mentioned that is probably the reason why I do tend to return to his films less often than the other Bond actors. Um, so actually re-watching GoldenEye again and having watched the Daniel Craig films um, fairly recently where the Tanner character is so central in the plots of those films... I really enjoyed Michael Kitchen's version of Tanner in GoldenEye. And for me, his performance was a highlight of the film. I thought he, um, for a relatively small role in the film, he really did make a great deal of it. And for me, his portrayal of Tanner was an absolute highlight of GoldenEye. Another person who absolutely shone in GoldenEye was Judi Dench as M, and first female M in the Bond series. And she did an incredible job. She's one of our greatest actors, of course, and really hit the ground running in the role. Martin Campbell's direction was superb throughout. The visuals were particularly good, I thought, in GoldenEye. It looked like they'd spent an awful lot of money on the film. The production values were there up on the screen. One of the things that I did think uh, let the film down a little and um, detracted from those wonderful visuals that I mentioned was Eric Serra's score. There are many, many occasions throughout where he plays a more traditional orchestral um, arrangement of the score and those moments in the film work brilliantly. There are also a few moments in the pre-title sequence where there's the electronic music and again it works well however for me some of the electronic music in the film just doesn't match the visuals uh, i found it very jarring and it for me it detracted from the sequences in question notably the sequence with bond in his db5 and zenny on a top in her red ferrari the music there, I just during those sequences, particularly when you hear it loud through a cinema sound system, I thought it sounded pretty awful, to be honest. Um, it really detracted from such a beautifully filmed sequence. And I could only think if John Barry had scored that or David Arnold had scored that, how much better that sequence could have played out with um, a more appropriate piece of music to drive that action along. thought the plot of the film was very good. I thought it was um, an engrossing storyline. Very impressed by the visual effects in the film and Derek Medding's final outing proved to be a great way for him to be sent off from the Bond series. thought Sean Bean was um, very good as the main villain, not one of my favourite villains um, from the Bond series, but a very solid, a very strong performance throughout. Overall, an enjoyable evening. As I mentioned, GoldenEye is my favourite of the four Pierce Brosnan and James Bond films. As such, I don't know how many of the next three, if any of the next three Bond films, I'll be watching in the cinema. Um, having already seen them on their original release. However, I definitely want to see Casino Royale again on the big screen and I've already booked to go and see Spectre and Skyfall 
in IMAX um, during the BFI's Bonds weekend at the beginning of October. I hope that those of you that went to see Goldeneye at the cinema this week had a good time watching it. Thanks again to the Really 007 podcast crew for putting out these great podcasts as well as the incredible interview podcast that you've also been putting out with people from in front of and behind the camera from the James Bond series of films. All the best. Have a great week, everyone, and speak to you soon. The Prime Minister's talked to Moscow. They're saying it was an accident during a routine training exercise. Governments change. The lies stay the same. What else do we know about the Yanis Syndicate? Top-flight arms dealers headquartered in St. Petersburg. First outfit to restock the Iraqis during the Gulf War. The headman's unreliably described. No photographs. The woman on the top is her only confirmed contact. Would you care for a drink? Thank you. Your predecessor kept some cognac in the top. I prefer bourbon. Ice? Yes. We pulled the files on anyone who might have had access or authority at Seven Hour. The top name on the list is an old friend of yours, I understand. Oromov. They made him a general. He sees himself as the next Iron Man of Russia, which is why our political analysts rule him out. He doesn't fit the profile of a traitor. Are these the same analysts who said the Golden Eye couldn't exist? who said the helicopter posed no immediate threat and wasn't worth following? You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant, a bean counter, more interested in my numbers than your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War, whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, W7. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. I want you to find Goldeneye, find who took it, what they plan to do with it, and stop it. And if you should come across Uramov, guilty or not, I don't want you running off on some kind of vendetta. Avenging Alec Trevelyan will not bring him back. You didn't get him killed. Neither did you. Don't make it personal. Never. Bond. Come back alive. As with our Licence to Kill on the big screen episodes, there simply wasn't enough time for us to contain all our thoughts on one part. So keep listening and make way for part two of Goldeneye on the big screen.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.